0: Welcome to the Solomon's Porch Podcast, the podcast from the worship experience of Solomon's Porch at Valdosta First United Methodist Church. We want you to be encouraged and inspired in your faith journey. So sit back and relax, unless you're driving or using heavy machinery, and enjoy. Good morning. Obviously, I'm not Shannon, and I'm sorry you're disappointed. Shannon's over in the sanctuary this morning, so uh, she called up the pinch hitter, which is me. Um, So I have a question for you, and it's going to sound like uh, one of those uh, medical um, pharmaceutical infomercials, right? Do you suffer from compassion fatigue? Do you suffer from compassion fatigue? Here's what I mean by that. This is, this is when you pour yourself out, pour yourself out for the sake of others, and you just become empty. And the symptoms of that are you become hard, become callous to the things around you. Things just become too much. You know, we're bombarded by all this stuff in the news, right? We're bombarded that, by how bad the world is. And it's true, there's a lot of bad stuff going on. But we're also bombarded in our daily lives by people around us that need us. They need us, and they truly do. And we try our best to, to give them the empathy and compassion that they deserve. But we reach a limit, don't we? We reach a limit. If you're like me, I can't be the only one in here that suffers from compassion fatigue. Can't be, right? We want to talk about that this morning. We want to talk about lifting others up um, with, the, with the goal of overcoming this thing called compassion fatigue. Though we need to be aware of kind of what's happening around us. I, I, like, I like the news. I don't like the news that's kind of coming out of the news, n- news providers and media. But I like to be up on what's going on. Uh, last week we, were, we had um, uh, confirmation Sunday and we were in there and I was kind of bouncing back and forth between here and, and Sanctuary and my phone was on, the ringer was on uh, for them to give me a, cl- a cue as to when to walk back over here and right in the middle of it the ESPN da 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 goes off in my pocket and uh, I just played it off act like somebody else but most people knew it was me standing up there. We like to be up, up to date on the scores, and we like to be up to date on what's happening around the world. Some of us do. Uh, you may not, but I certainly do. But we suffer from, because of that, we have this overexposure to, to things, to bad things, to hard things, heart-wrenching things, not just around the world because, you know, we ha- we have, we have a, there's a distance there, and we kind of say... We kind of tell ourselves, well, there's nothing I can do about what's going on in so and so country. But what about your neighbor? What about your family members that need you? Anybody ever been, had the honor of being a shoulder to cry on in here? Right? You may currently be in that situation. You may be a shoulder to cry on, and that's a very term very lightly. You may be someone's emotional and mental stability right now well let me tell you you aren't meant to be you are not meant to be now we are to give and give of ourselves and compassion and love and grace and mercy are part of that in who we are in Christ but if you are conjuring up on your own the compassion that someone else needs in their time of chaos and crisis then you will suffer from compassion fatigue. You'll get it, you'll become empty and useless and angry and bitter and depressed yourself. Like, there's so many things that can go wrong with this. But I want want to share with you the hope that all of us have who've ever suffered from this thing called compassion or empathy fatigue Um. Just a little bit about this, okay? This is how compassion fatigue is, is, uh, is defined. It's a gradual lessening of compassion or sensitivity towards someone else's issues and problems over time, and it's usually due to a growing feeling that all the effort you put in to their healing process isn't, an amount, isn't amounting to much. It's pointless, right? Ever been there? Ever been there? where you pour out and pour out and pour out and nothing's getting better for you, that person. You ever been there? Oh, man, currently, currently. Uh, And, and of course, I I tend to a few hundred uh, youth from 6th to 12th grade, Emily and I do. And uh, we tell them constantly, look, when there's no one else to come to, I promise you, me and my wife, we will, we will answer the phone at 3 a.m. We may mumble words until we come to, but I promise you, we will answer. We will be there. And what we have found in ministry especially is that compassion runs low a lot of the time. Why is that? Because it's real simple. I'm, I'm conjuring it up within myself the right words to say, the right prayers to pray, the right... Um, the right thing to do at the right moment. How do I help this person? And I've completely unplugged from the source of compassion. God is the source of compassion through Jesus. There's no other way to help your friends and neighbors, your family members, the people around you that are going through a tough time. There's no other way to help them than to plug into the source of compassion daily. Be filled with that compassion. You see, what, I, what we do as Christians, especially as we grow, as we read, as we pray, we get little nuggets of wisdom, right? Little books we read, little devotions we read, all this stuff. And, and those are secondhand revelations of truth, and they're, they're not all bad. But what we do is we rely on those solely for someone else's benefit and our own benefit, don't we? Oh, I just read this great book, and there's nothing wrong with that, people. You need to read this book. You need to read this devotion. You need to, And you'll, we'll send someone an excerpt from something that somebody wrote, some pastor or something, some nugget of truth. And that's great, you guys. But just like the whole chair and couch analogy that Shannon um, talked about a few weeks ago, look, if I'm not spending time in the chair, if I'm not spending time earnestly listening for God's voice in my life, how can I operate in this life at all? How can I ever be a source of compassion and comfort to someone if I don't know what God wants me to do or say? You know, sometimes God may not want you to say anything. You ever sat with someone who's grieving and you just feel like you've got to say something? You just feel like you've got to open your mouth and like, as if your wisdom is going to make a difference? right? As if my wisdom is going to make a difference in, in, the, in how they're... Uh, Holding it together at the time, it's not on me. It's not on you. And what happens is, and and lately, in the last few years, when I've sat, when I've been sitting with someone who's gone through tragedy or chaos in their lives, I can almost hear God tell me in an audible voice, You just need to shut up and sit with them. Let me deal out the compassion. Let me deal out the grace and the hope and the joy that's going to restore them over time. You don't have the tools to fix this. Folks, if that seems like a hopeless thing for me to say to you, you don't have the tools to fix someone's hopelessness, someone's uh, chaos, someone's heartache, you don't. And that is great news. That is great news. Right? That should be a weight lifted off your shoulders. Amen? To mo- this morning, if you think about how much we spend, how much effort we spend for someone else in our lives, and we feel like we're spinning our wheels emotionally to help them, there's good news for you. But look, the fact of the matter is, a lot of times, we can't deal with someone else's stuff because we're self-absorbed. I'm raising my hand on that one. I can't say anyone else in here is self-absorbed without saying that first I am self-absorbed. But my own family, my own time, my own resources, I'm too busy. Sometimes I find myself too busy to care what, uh, what someone else is going through. Too busy. Shame on me. Shame on me. That, that convicts me to the core. I promise. If we, if, if, and, and many times we find ourselves, that families, parents, of course, you're absorbed in your own family. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. But my prayer, our prayer is, is that as you spend time with God in the chair, listening for God's voice, that God will create space in your life and mine to care for others. That God will create space in your heart, in your busy schedule. And, 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 and you, we feel like, and Alice and I joke all the time that God creates a 25th hour of the day for us to be able to accomplish some of the things that he's called us to do in our lives, right? At this moment and at this stage in our lives with family and ministry and and all three of our kids are involved in sports and other things. But if there's no room in my heart to to be the instrument of peace and hope and compassion for, for people around me, then I need to let a few things go. You make time for what's important for you, right? You do. We make time for the things that are important to us. And as you grow, as a Christ follower, as we grow, we realize that the things we thought were important aren't really that important at all. There's always room in my heart to allow God to do something in me that's going to benefit someone else and me not suffer from compassion fatigue, right? Here's our hope. Our best hope for dealing with compassion fatigue is to remember the source, and I just told you, of compassion. Look, we don't have to conjure it up, guys. We don't. The next time God's put you in the vicinity of someone who's suffering, the next time he puts you there, I want you to think. First of all, think, watch, and pray, as Jesus did. Right? We can imitate Jesus in every way. Right, if we, if we don't know what to do, read the life of Jesus, and we'll know what to do. It's pretty clear what Jesus would have done. Here's an example of that. A few examples in Scripture. To the man who had the mat whose friends cut the hole in the roof to lower him down in there just to get him close to Jesus so he could be healed. To that guy, what did Jesus say? Look, you're healed. Get up and walk. Take your mat, get out of here. To the woman at the well, he spoke lovingly, truthfully, and told her to leave her sin behind. To the conflicted young ruler, the rich ruler that, that came to Jesus and said, what, what must I do to have eternal life? He didn't, he didn't mince words. He told him straight up, you got to leave everything behind if you want to have any part of me. To the Roman officer, to the blind, the leper, he lifted them up each individually in their time of need. And finally, to his good friend and, and, and his two sisters that were grieving the loss of Jesus' good friend Lazarus. He grieved with them. Here's an interesting story. I've never read this. I, I know, we know the Lazarus story, Right? Very well-known story in Scripture. He was sick, had leprosy. He was a good buddy of Jesus'. And he was dying. Jesus was off somewhere doing what he needed to be doing. And he got word that Lazarus was on death's door. And Scripture, it's it's interesting because what happens is, is we expect Jesus to go running to Lazarus and keep him from physical death. Save him. From physical death. What does Jesus do? On purpose, he wasn't late. He wasn't late. He lingered. The Bible says he lingered where he was a few more days. And what happened in, in, in the meantime? Lazarus died. He died. And at first, the reaction is, well, you could have saved him. Why weren't you here? We called for you in time. Had you come when we called you, he would still be alive. And what's Jesus' response? He says he's only sleeping. He, this will not end in death. This will not end in death. And they're like, he's dead. He's been dead for three days. We know the rest of the story. He rose, he brought Lazarus back from the grave. Smelly and all, right? The Bible says it stunk really bad. You'd stink too after three days. Rose rose from the from the grave. Right. Imagine Lazarus, though. Side point. It's the only one I know that we read about in Scripture that had to die two deaths. He died twice physically. Right. It's got to be. That's got to be a a kick. You're like, oh man, I went through this once already. Gotta do it again. John chapter 11, verse 33. The end of the story. Uh, right before Jesus performed the miracle of the resurrection of Lazarus. This is what he encountered when he finally arrived at the house um, Lazarus and his two sisters verse 33 when Jesus saw her weeping and saw the other people wailing with her a deep anger welled up within him and he was deeply troubled where have you put him he asked they told him Lord come and see and then of course shortest verse in scripture we all know it Jesus wept that's not the end of it the people who were standing nearby said, see how much he loved them. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted, Psalm thirty-four, eighteen. He rescues those whose spirits are crushed. You know, in certain versions of, of, that, of that passage, it's, it's, it's like they describe Jesus getting down in the floor with Mary and Martha, his sisters, Lazarus' sisters, and just weeping with them we're called to do that we're called to do that but not under our own power you ever been sitting with someone or visiting with someone who needed you and needed comfort needed hope and peace and they're bawling their eyes out they're weeping bitterly and you wish you had the tears to weep with them you ever been there you don't have to conjure it up God gives you the grace to give them the compassion they need at the right time, in the right place. Jesus created the template for compassion. He gives us the perfect example on how to care for people where they are. You know, he didn't give the standard answer, you know, God's not going to give you more than you can handle. Come on. Come on. Somebody ever said that to you? Anybody ever had had more than they can handle in this life? Yep, hands go up everywhere, absolutely. Absolutely. Hearts are going up. Yes, amen. Absolutely. You will get more than you can handle. Absolutely. But it doesn't mean you walk through that alone. Number one, the God of the universe walks hand in hand with you through that, with the person that's in your vicinity that's hurting. He's walking with them. You are only to be an instrument of peace in that person's life. You are not the Savior. We are not the Savior our broken hurting friends we are not we cannot be we can't hope to be that we're taking the power of Christ right out of God's hands we're taking it out of his his hands and we're trying to do something good under our own power and yeah we can kind of reach a certain level of comfort for someone with our words we can do that we can do good things on our own but we want to do God things folks what we need is kingdom compassion We don't need human words of comfort. Your friends don't need your words. They need kingdom, compassion. They need eternal hope that you cannot give them. And it's a great thing that you can't, that you can't play God, that I can't have comfort apart from Christ. There is no hope apart from Christ. There are are no words To make me feel better in my time of chaos and crisis. Other than the hope that comes from Christ. Kingdom compassion. That's what we need. That's what we need. Number one, going back to the the words that we use to to comfort people. God, you're going to get through this. and And those are great things. But don't conjure this stuff up on your own. Plug into the source of compassion, folks. Listen for the, for, the, for the mouth of God to open and speak to you. If it takes a long time listening, please still listen. Don't just assume you know. Don't just assume you know. You need to know in the right moments. And God will give you, if you need to say anything at all, God will give you those words. But only His words. You know, this is a prayer that I kind of got into the habit of pr- uh, praying a few years ago, and it, it's not of, of my own doing, but it's just something I heard. And uh, I just, and it's it's sort of a what I call breath prayer, which is like a little short little burst of prayer throughout my day. And it's like, God, Your words, not mine. Your words, not mine. Your life, not mine. Your hope, not mine. Yours. Not mine. My weakness meets your strength. And it's a great thing when that happens. Right? Because look, you can be the best speaker on the planet. You can be the best person with words. You can, just, you can write a book of poetry, of comfort to someone. And it's still not going to get them where they need to go. Let Christ fill you with his compassion, his kingdom compassion. We need a holy perspective. I'm going to read this verse again from Psalm 34. It says, The Lord is close to the brokenhearted, and he rescues those whose spirits are crushed. So, this is a two part deal this morning. Number one, because Jesus empathizes with you where you are in your current situation, because he does that, because he meets us in our suffering, we need to do the same for those around us. And this is not simply, a, you know, Jesus did it for us, so we ought to do it for others. You know, I've seen so many people try to live the Christian life based on uh, behavior. It becomes, our, our, our spiritual journey becomes behavior modification. It becomes what we ought to do, what we ought to do. People, when will we be compelled to do something? Not stirred in our minds that it's the right thing to do, so we ought to send that person a text. We ought to just call that person, oh, we ought to do it, so I'm going to do it. No. When, are, when am I going to be pushed by the Spirit to do something? When's the last time I was compelled to love on someone? And it was out of the blue. It was out of the blue. It wasn't something, oh, well, I guess I ought to call so-and-so. They're going through a rough time. Look, kingdom compassion... Transcends your thoughts and your good judgment of behavior. It's not behavior modification. It's spirit-led compassion. Spirit-led compassion. When's the last time you had a a dose of spirit-led compassion? Well, if you're suffering from compassion fatigue this morning, we need to reset. What you want us to reset this morning? Here's a few ways we can do that. Look, number one, I like action steps. It's, it's a good, it's, everything's a good thought this morning and there's some truth in this, but until we have action steps, until we have things to apply, it's just a nice thought. Oh, that's, that's good. Yeah, I need to remember that. Here's one thing you can do. Spend time in the chair. Spend time with the true and living God, source of compassion. For yourself, for yourself. When you're, when you're praying you listen for God's truth for you. And then He gives you the, a bit, the, the tools. The wherewithal, the the, the the abilities to be comfort in the moment for someone else. Right? Time spent with Him. The inward and then the outward. Number one. Folks. Nuts and bolts. Foundation of, of, of your faith. If there hasn't been an inward response. To the compassion that Jesus has shown you. Through his death. Burial and resurrection. That we celebrate this time of year. Then there's no hope. For you to, to deal out compassion for other people. None. There has to be an inward response. So that it can be an outward Pouring out of compassion and love for people around you, right? There has to be. And if that's you this morning, let's go back to the cross. Let's go back. Let's run back and pray the prayer. God, I, my words are empty. I'm, I'm, I'm done with words. I, I'm, I have no more words for this person that I love that's going through this in their life and I can't understand, I can't relate to. So I just kind of sit with them and I feel like I, I, we don't get anything done. It's pointless. I'm suffering from compassion fatigue here. If that's us, we run back to the cross. We reset our lives and our hearts, and we refocus on the only hope there is. There is no hope for better days in in any of our lives. There is no hope for joy, for peace, for an end to the suffering of the current situation we find ourselves in without Christ. You know, the truth of the matter is, Is that without, a, a, without an experience, without experiencing the love of God for yourself? When, when that happens for you, then there, to me, there has to be a response. This morning, look, it doesn't, it's not as if we say, well, we read this in scripture and Jesus wept bitterly with his friends. So, you know, we kind of ought to do that. We kind of ought to do that. No, we are compelled to love outside of ourselves being others-focused instead of self-focused. We're compelled to do that from the gospel itself. We're not, it's not a, I ought to do. If you find yourself in that boat, I ought to do this because it's the right thing to do. Let go of the morality part of this and run back to the cross. Let God fill you with a compassion that you can't conjure up on your own. When we experience compassion and love for ourselves through Christ, there will be a response. There will be. There will be an outward response to the inward relationship that's being cultivated with you and God through Christ. Amen? wasn't me. I promise. Gremlins. Jesus, take over. Take the wheel. (laughs) Time spent with God. Number two, number two, if you're writing anything down, number two, action step, number two, count your blessings. Hey, the easiest way to reset your life and your heart in the grace of God is to see what God has done in your life from the very beginning. Not just this, you could go, you could take this last week and if you prayed over it and thought over it, You'd, you'd write, and you'd still be right next week. Count your blessings. Take inventory of the grace God has given you. You'll be filled with compassion for other people. Last one is we need opportunities. You need, I need opportunities to be pushed out of our comfort zone for the sake of others. We do this every summer with our, with our youth mission trips. Our kids are pushed out of their comfort zones for the sake of other people. And it is uncomfortable, especially for a kid. We get kids every year never been on anything like that. And, and you know, they hear New Orleans or the Bahamas or some exotic location. They're like, heck yes, sign me up. And they get halfway through the week, and they are tired. And they're ornery. And they're sad because they've heard all these, these awful stories from people that they've met and they're broken, and they're, they're burdened for people. They're physically tired. They're emotionally tired, and they wonder how they're going to get to Friday, and then they reset, and God fills them up again, and they go out and they serve, and it's pushing them. We need to be pushed, folks. We need to be pushed out, not just to go on a mission trip overseas somewhere. You can do that in Valdosta. We just had a great day of service a couple weeks ago. What an incredible opportunity for you to be pushed out of where you're comfortable for the sake of other people. To show compassion where you may not think you have the capacity to do so. Opportunities to serve others. Look for those opportunities. Don't, go, don't just go looking, go praying. Pray about the opportunities that God has in front of you. You know what? There are people in your general vicinity, at work, school, home, all over the place that need compassion. The compassion that God wants to use you to give them right so if you're empty this morning God wants to refill us you know God wants to take your compassion fatigue and he wants to turn that into something beautiful redemptive life-giving for people around you I have an uncle um Uncle Tony and Uncle Tony is an alcoholic there's a pretty good chance he'll die an alcoholic um Alcoholism runs in my family. My grandfather drank himself to death. And I, and I look at Uncle Tony, and I have extreme compassion fatigue for Uncle Tony. You with me? I look at Uncle Tony, and all I can do is, it's your fault that your marriage fell apart. It's your fault that your kids don't want anything to do with you. It's your fault. And I get so angry. I have extreme compassion fatigue for him. And God comes in in my time in the chair and says, it doesn't matter if it's his fault or not. I love him. Are you going to love him, nephew? Are you going to love him? Are you going to love him as I love you? Are you going to show compassion as I've shown you all those years? All those times where you were hopeless, you messed it up, I came back and came behind you and cleaned your mess up. Are you going to love your Uncle Tony like I love your Uncle Tony? Right? And immediately, um, I'm convicted of where I find my my heart and my mind. I have a hard time. I have a hard time dealing out compassion sometimes. And this last summer, we went to uh, New Orleans, uh, the high schoolers did. And the stories we heard there's, by the way, in New Orleans, uh, one of the highest pop, uh, homeless populations in the country, right? Very poor. It's like very rich and very poor down there. And what we saw, kids, students, right? What we saw, what we heard were stories of brokenness, some of their own doing, many not. There's a man that, you know, you, look, you take one look at him, you say, well, he got himself here. He smells like alcohol. But the rest of the story was, he lost his job, he had, a, he, had a, he had some sort of injury, he was disabled, his wife left him with his kids, couldn't pay his medical bills, and he finds himself on the street, right? But even if he did something to get himself there, folks, what's our response? My, my response should be compassion, hope, Peace. The guy knows he's there under his own doing, if that's the case. The person you're, you're, that you're loving on, it may be their own fault. My uncle Tony don't, doesn't need me to say to him, it's your fault that your marriage fell apart and you, your, your wife is estranged and your kids don't want anything to do with you. It's your fault. No, he needs his nephew and people around him to love on him like Jesus does. And guys, I can't think of a better way to segue into Holy Communion and to think about the love and compassion that, that Jesus has poured out on us. Amen? The body, the blood, poured out for our sin, not just our sin, our chaos, our stuff, the stuff we find ourselves in, our anxiety, our worry, our depression, our grief, that stuff was laid bare on the cross. He gives us life through the sacrament of of, uh, the the celebration of Holy Communion. It reminds us of what happened on the cross. Let's pray. Father, we love you. As we go into this time of communion, God, I pray that uh, you'd prepare our hearts. God, uh, if we suffer from compassion fatigue this morning, God, that you would fill us again with your spirit. God, that you would give us the wherewithal to love people like you do. And God, that we would remember the days when we were helpless and all we could do is turn to you. God, fill us with compassion for those around us. In your name we pray, amen. Thanks for listening to the Solomon's Porch Podcast. We hope you heard some good practical news in this episode that you can apply to your life. If you'd like, we'd love for you to review our podcast on iTunes and share it with your friends. You can also support our ministry by going to com slash give. Until next time, stay classy, listening friends.